0: You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Technology and society with Aki Anastasio.
1: Hello, Aki. Hello you, CBS MacKaiser. How are you this morning? I'm well. I feel unloved. <laughs> oh, don't <laughs> because because we we I'm far away from you right now, because I would normally be giving you a big hug during the news, right? Well, that and also. You haven't been in my
0: WhatsApp like in 24 hours. What have uh, maybe not, maybe I should ask you off air. What have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I
1: actually, I actually WhatsApp you just now.
0: Doing the news, oh, okay. To make up. You were very quiet over uh, the weekend. Aki and I talk all the
1: uh, time, but maybe you were having uh, a respite from the madness. I actually was, you know, I I decided this weekend that I just wanted to switch off from the digital world because Good. it was so overwhelming last week. Yeah, with the amount of, uh, you know, the amount of information. Number one that you have to consume. Yeah, and just number two, just being connected online, you know, and not that it's a bad thing because I think that um, you know these connections that we've formed and the the, the the networks that have been made available to us have basically kept this world. Ticking along, you know, I was trying to think what did they do in 1918 when they had the flu pandemic? How how did people communicate? You know, you could only obviously send letters then. Um, I don't even know if telegrams were around, were they such a good point? (laughs) That's a very good (laughs) point. So, you know, today you can just pick up the phone and do a Skype call, but in those days you couldn't do those things, Mm. people were still. You know, what's also interesting is I wonder whether having those fewer options in
0: terms of communicating in real time, whether it was better or worse for
1: one's mental health to not quite know the full extent of what the hell is going on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's It's interesting. I often think about these things and think, what did they do back then? But anyway, it's good to hear your voice and a happy Monday to you. Absolutely.
0: The same to you. Now, listen, we've got a couple of issues we want to get through. Uh, coronavirus yeah. is not going anywhere, even if you're taking a respite for a weekend. And the first thing I think we're going to look at are some new trends that have been spurred on by the coronavirus
1: yeah absolutely um and and you know the, 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 there's so many new trends I mean the biggest trend that we 've been talking about for the last few weeks is the fact that you know video conferencing is on up and it surprises people day in and day out how much um, how much information is you know being being shared on these video conferences and how much people are using them uh, obviously e commerce has been massive um, you look at amazon's share price for example it 's going through the roof and you know, um, you know, home deliveries are going to be a big thing, and I think a lot of businesses are adapting to these kind of things. Video conferencing—I see Google, which have had a, a, a Google Hangouts before, but they have, um, you know, an upper-end version of that version of Google Hangouts called G- Google Meet, video conferencing mm-hmm. service. And I see that they've now allowed everyone to use it. It was only available to people who use G Suite, which is kind of their their business suite of of, of products. And now anybody that has a Google account will be able to, uh, you know, do video conferencing on Google and you can have free meetings of up to 100 people um, at a time. And they they will restrict those uh, lengths of those meetings to 60 minutes and then you obviously log in again. But it's quite a significant jump from what they had before. So they're giving people a lot more flexibility um, and they're making it a lot more secure. You've heard of Zoom bombing, for example. So yeah. You're gonna to have to send people, you know, certain invites. You get into a lobby, for example, and then uh, through the lobby, which is they call a green room. Once you're there, then I can identify, oh, there's Eusebius, and then I'll, I'll allow him into the meeting. So there's a lot more stricter uh, controls for these kind of things um, as we move along and navigate this very complex world of video conferencing and how we all adapting to it. That sounds absolutely awesome. I was going to ask whether there are safeguards there for the host to be
0: able to approve people walking in and out because some of these social media apps that also have suddenly become very, very popular um, are great, but you find yourself hardly logged on and then 2,000 people want to chat to you all at the same time. That can be very overwhelming.
1: Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It, it is very overwhelming and, and people all talking at the same time is is really irritating. But please, <laughs> some advice is when you go into these video conferences and these big group calls, make sure your mute is on because mm. we can hear everything that you're doing and it it really adds to the... Uh, you know, the background noises that can be quite irritating. So just a bit of etiquette. Well, one thing you and I have often spoken about
0: is this fear people have of technology and innovation leading to traditional job displacement. And you've got another scary story in that regard. Uh, many people used to enjoy, as a gap year, for example, becoming an au pair, Um you know, sort of glorified, just look after someone's kid. But if you give it a nice French ring to it, then it sounds like a posh thing to do. Now you're telling me about what? Virtual babysitters.
1: I mean, who would have thought you know you talk about you talk about things that if we had talked about last year, you would have thought you know these guys are smoking something, but virtual babysitters are a big thing nowadays, and if you look at how people are working, a lot of people are working from home they 've got little kids there 's distractions around the house and it 's difficult as a parent to walk you know to work and have you know to look after these kids um, and there 's a few of these services, one of them is sitter city. But they're saying that virtual babysitters have increased by 700% just in the last month and they continue to grow. What the hell is this? Well, it, it works like this. So, um, let's say you've got little kids in the house and you've got a very important work video conference that you need to attend to or, you know, you've got work to do that you cannot be distracted. So you hire a virtual babysitter. They then log on to your Skype account or your Zoom account or FaceTime, whatever video platform you use, right? And they basically engage with your kids. So it's like a, it's like a regular babysitter, but it's a virtual babysitter. So. And and then the kids, the kids engage with a babysitter. Now, obviously for babies, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit more difficult, but you just think about it today (laughs) when you look at parents and doing homework, for example. So if you can help with mathematics and English and really typically for kids from three up until 10, I think there is a massive gap in the market for a virtual babysitter so that you pay somebody a certain fee to look after your kids, keep them distracted. Uh, keep them entertained, for example. Just look after them and and just keep them engaged. And they they're developing apps as well that that will work in conjunction with uh, Zoom and Skype. And they will, you know, have interactive games, for example. Um, and it's just a, an hour or two that a parent can just take a break, get the work that they need to be done at a professional level, and then get a virtual babysitter to look after your kids. And I think it's just such a clever idea that you can actually earn a bit of money if you're I was there, about to nothing. say that's
0: quite nice right because there is an opportunity there to to make a little bit of money as we're all thinking of service industries and how to make sure that we stop the worst consequences of the job bloodbath that we are experiencing globally. So that's quite cool. And then just from a practicality point of view, many parents are struggling with um, these multiple roles you are expected to play. I mean, your bosses don't care for the fact that you have a toddler in the background that's busy crying, that's making you unproductive. They still want you to meet yep. your KPIs. So this, beyond being cool, here, this is a seriously good innovative idea.
1: No, it is. And it's actually quite incredible. I mean, we we really are in uncharted territory. And the amount of banks today that, and interestingly, you talk about the banks specifically that, um, are, are a sector where you can have a lot of people working remotely. And a lot of the banks have been doing this and a lot of the banks are now saying, hang on, this is working quite nicely. We, let's give, um, let's give some, um, allocation, like, uh, to your monthly salary for data costs, for example. Mm. Um, uh, the, the banks are now saving on canteen costs, for example, the employees are saving. Saving on transport costs, for example. So they've actually done some research and they found out that the top five perks from, for working at home. Number one was a flexible schedule that people loved. 52% of people said they loved that. Uh, second, people said they saved a lot of money because you don't have to travel and you don't have any of those transport costs to incur. Um, access to the kitchen came in third. I don't know what it is. I think people are snacking away too much when they're working <laughs> at home. Um, the fourth perk of working from home, according to the latest research that's coming out, is that 45% say that they love the fact that they can wear whatever they want. Or okay? nothing. And. Oh, nothing exactly. Um, and then the fifth one is that completing weekend to-do lists, uh, mm. 44%. So I think people are doing other things in between. And, you know, you don't have to do this on the weekend. I do it during the week in, in between working for my company. And it frees up a lot more weekend time. But it's the dynamics are absolutely fascinating of where this coronavirus is pushing us to think and do things differently, and work di- work differently. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I about. think many parents.
0: This is one of the more exciting things we've covered in recent weeks. Go check it out. So there must be many options. Sitter City is one of them. Uh, some of you have been complaining and sort of having ha ha moments. How tough it is, for example, to help your kids with things like homework. You might be missing the babysitter who's better than you at some of these chores well continue to employ them and you can do so remotely and just try it out and see how it works and give us feedback aki and I would love to know if you if you're hearing about this for the first time give us some feedback if you've been trying us uh, tell us uh, tag him or myself on Twitter tell us how it's been going um, or chat to us next week's in uh, next week's edition of technology and society and then last but not least uh, you were saying in the beginning how voluminous the number of academic papers online articles, thought pieces are the research in general, Aki, in relation to COVID-19. It's a hell of a lot. Uh, is anyone doing something about it in terms of big data analyses?
1: Well, yes, they are actually, and if you think of how many scientists and uh, biologists and doctors and virologists are working all simultaneously around the world to try and find a cure and a vaccine, and just you know gather more information about what this virus actually does, uh, it's a challenging thing to keep abreast of what everyone is doing. And you know, if we all work um, and and and. Col- Collaborate together. I think that we will get a lot, th- a lot of things done a lot easier. And I think collaboration is the key with the technology world that we're living in, in us finding a solution and and a vaccine for the for the virus. Now, at the moment, as we speak, there are around fifty thousand different academic articles that have been written about COVID nineteen since November of last year. And this this volume of information is just enormous. So what these guys have done from the uh, University of Brandeis, um. A bunch of computer science and linguistics professors, they've created an artificial platform uh, called Semantic Visualization of Scientific Data, or SEMVIS as they call it. And what this particular uh, piece of software and technology does is it goes through this massive published work on the coronavirus – and it helps the biologists who study the disease to gain better insights and notice interesting patterns and trends across the research that could lead towards a treatment or a cure. Um, and I give you, for example, um, you know, extracting this data set of this information that everybody's working on gives these scientists a bird's eye view of how to apply their thinking uh, on learning what other people are picking up in terms of trends. So for example, Eusebius, it, it will give a, a, a faster way for these biologists um, and regulators even, and, uh, you know, to study what the gene is doing and how the protein is involved in the disease. For example, uh, they could help discover therapies that decrease the expression of the receptor for the virus in patient's lungs. For example, and this is very important because millions of people are currently taking blood pressure medicines that can alter the receptor, for example. So they're finding all sorts of different links. Mm. And there's no ways that one biologist can make these connections and generalizations from just the current work that you're studying. So it basically looks through all of these manuscripts and, and, and all of this, all these data sets and if you are studying along a specific trend in the in the COVID nineteen virus, it says, "Hey, have you perhaps looked at that? And this is what Eusebius has discovered studying this virus on the other side of the world. And and this is how it's helping scientists um, get through the work a lot quicker and and open their minds to new ideas and possibly a quicker uh, a quicker." Uh, quicker research in finding a virus, um, a, a vaccine, vaccine for this virus. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Aki, thank you so much.
0: We'll do it again next week. Thank you.